Okay, hi everyone, I'm Nidhi. Thank you all so much for coming. We're so excited to see all of you. So to introduce our club, we're volunteers around the world, pre-dental chapter at PIP. So our goal was to travel to another country for a mission trip, but because of the pandemic, we kind of had to revamp things. So we've been having Zoom pre-dental enrichment events. Some of our past speakers are Joyce the Dentist, Dr. Graves, Dr. Yu, Pitt Dental students and dental students from around the US. So before we start, let's introduce our board. I'm Nidhi, I'm from Columbus, Ohio, and I'm a junior at Pitt, and I'm president of Volunteers Around the World Pre-Dental Chapter. I'm Sarah, I'm a junior at Pitt. I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina, and I'm outreach chair. Hi guys, my name is Jada. I'm also a junior at Pitt and I serve as the language chair. Hi guys, I'm Maya. I'm from central New Jersey and I'm a freshman at Pitt and uh, I'm the co-publicity lead. Hi everyone, my name is Shaylin. I'm from King of Prussia, Pennsylvania and I'm fundraising lead and I'm a junior at Pitt. Hello, I'm Rachel. I'm a freshman at Pitt and I'm the co-publicity uh, lead and I'm from Las Vegas, Nevada. Hey everyone, I'm Amandingra. I'm from Springfield, Ohio. I'm also a junior at Pitt and I am the business manager. And with that, we're going to throw it over to students of dentistry. Uh, hey everyone, I'm Sean. I'm currently a D4 at Stony Brook and I'll be staying at Stony Brook to do my orthodontic residency. And I am half of these students of dentistry along with uh, my partner, Brendan. Hey guys, thanks for coming on today. Uh, I matched to NYU's oral and maxillofacial surgery program the four year. Uh, Sean and I were both current D4 dental students at Stony Brook. And also part of our team is Brandon Axelrod. Go ahead. How's it going everyone? I'm Brandon, I'm a senior at Cornell University. Uh, I just went through the application process and I'll be attending Stony Brook in August. Awesome. Thank you, guys. So um, this is our first event out of many that we're partnering with students of dentistry. We're going to this one is focused on dental applications, but we're going to have a lot pretty much every other week um, with different topics. So you can stay up to date with our events by following our Instagram at VA Pre Dental PGH or students of dentistry. Yes, yeah, so just to get going into our session, um, I would ask that all of our awesome panel dental students to include their school into their names. It seems like most of you did, but this is just so that if any of the undergrad students have any particular questions about that school, then they can act, they can ask a direct question. But yeah, just to reiterate, this info session is to serve you guys and your curiosities about dental school. So you are welcome, but more so encouraged to reuse the raise your hand function and the chat function to ask away. Um, so yeah, just to begin, uh, I would ask that the panel of dental students introduce themselves, what year they're in, um, a fun fact, just to get the conversation going. Thank you. All right, I'll go first. Uh, my name's Colton. I also go to Pitt, like most of them, and I'm a D1. And for my fun fact, I have a twin sister. And a whole in one, so we'll do two. <laughs> hey guys, I'm Emily. I went to Johns Hopkins uh, in Baltimore, Maryland for undergrad. I'm a current D1 at UCLA. Um, oh my God, I hate fun facts. Um, I had street tacos last night and they were only a dollar, so LA is great. Hey everyone, I'm Jessica. I'm a current D1 at UNC. And a fun fact about me is I'm also a dental hygienist. Everyone, my name is Joe. I'm a D1 at uh, Ohio State University. Fun fact about me: I get to go home today and see my family, and we're going to have some uh, really good salmon on the grill. So. Hi, everyone. I'm Mackenzie. I am a D2. In two weeks, I become a D3 at the, the Medical University of South Carolina. A fun fact about me is that I have a golden doodle, and I just got into golf, so I'm very jealous of that hole in one. I also have a golden doodle, so that's funny. <laughs> Hey everyone, my name is Shereen Reed. I am from Philadelphia. I'm a first year dental student at Meharry Medical College School of Dentistry. I am, I serve as a US Army commissioned officer, second lieutenant, 
under the uh, HPSP scholarship. And uh, a fun fact about me, I have two cats and a puppy. Okay, awesome. So if anyone from the audience has any questions, feel free to use your hand. If not, um, we have a list of questions that we can ask you guys to get started. So sorry. Any audience questions? If not, um, I'm personally wondering, I guess, for personal statements, what do you guys think is the best thing to include and what made yours stand out? Um, so for me personally, I think my biggest advice is don't go on Google and look up like personal statement examples or how to write a personal statement. I think the main topic that we all would agree with is just why dentistry, like what draws you to the field. Um, and people have asked me to send me or send them my personal statement. I'm like, no, like it has to be personal. You're not going to like go off of someone else's personal statement. So I would say really just incorporate like shadowing, like volunteering life events. Um, maybe you have like family in the field, kind of like broadly incorporate everything. Um, and I think like my main reason for, in my personal statement, I kind of centered it around like a calling, like I felt called to the field. So I would put your main reason as far as like why you chose dentistry, like that may be an event or something you saw when you were shadowing or something that happened to you when you were a kid um, or things like that. So I'll pass it on to Emily. All right. Thank you, Colton. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think the worst thing you can do is read someone else's personal statement that's supposedly good and then kind of copy the way that they wrote it. Um, and, you know, I think for the personal statement, you can honestly write about anything. I mean, you can write about the time you lost a tooth and you can write about how, you know, you were at the zoo and you saw this certain animal's tooth. I mean, I mean, it, it doesn't even have to be like specifically, oh, like I shadowed, I did research. I mean, this is what I did because you have all of that on your application. Okay. I mean, this is your chance to really have the reader know what you're like as a person. Um, and like for me, I, I took a little different approach, I guess, for my personal statement. I kind of incorporated like a little poem in there. Um, I, I'm not gonna, you know, like say specifically what I did, but I think a lot of people really liked it. And during my interviews, I mean, I, I you know, I had some interviewers say like, hey, you know, I really liked your personal statement. You know, I thought it was super out of the box and, you know, and cool. So. I'd say don't be afraid to, you know, be a little creative and take some risks because this is like the one part of your application where it doesn't have to be like certain, you know, you have to meet like a certain quota, you know, for example, so. Yeah, I, I agree with everyone and everything that they've said. Um, you have to remember that it is a thousand people are going to be reading this, you know, um, or they're going to be reading a thousand personal statements. So you have to make it stand out somehow, but you have to make it stand out for you. You can't read someone else's and, and choose their standout points. You have to kind of um, pick your reasoning for standing out and you know why you chose dentistry. So something I, I want to mention is like when you're like when you're a dentist, like you're going to be talking to people every day. You're going to be relating with people. And I think that the personal statement is that opportunity to have you like shine through and like truly like show who you are. Uh, because like at the end of the day, when you're a dentist and you're practicing on someone, uh, they're not going to see how good your prep is. Uh, they're going to remember how nice of a person you were, like your experiences and things like that. So I've, I've had people uh, send me their personal statements before and they say like uh, whether say they're, they might be like a, from another country or something and they didn't include that or they didn't include that they were uh, you know all these major life events in their personal statements which like forms them as a person uh, i say you definitely want to include those uh, and then also keep in mind that yeah i agree like uh, there's going to be uh, they're going to be going through thousands of these personal statements so it is worth your time to think about what is what makes you different from the lot uh, from everyone else and, and try and include that as well uh, but yeah, really good comments so far too.
I will echo what everyone else said. A personal statement is for you. It's personal. At the time when I was writing my personal statement, I was doing a service internship in Denver across the country. So it really took me out of my comfort zone and kind of put me in a new place to write it. Um, but just talk about your experiences and like everyone else said. Yes. I would say that, uh, of course, making it more, your personal statement has to be personalized. The thing that would really make it stand out is an attention getter. If you can have an attention getter for that first opening statement, that first sentence, then that's going to draw the reader in and they're not going to pass up on you when reviewing your application. Uh, I, what, I, what I wrote on mine, I said something along the lines of, uh, what, what did I say? I said, um, the movie Jaws may have frightened the average six-year-old, but for me, it forever instilled a fascination about teeth. So that right there is just, I've been told is something that stands out and people gravitated towards. So do something that's gonna stand out, an attention getter. And my second piece of advice would be to write an active voice so that you can make your, your personal statement more concise. You only have, what, 4,500 characters you have to get you know, a good amount of information throughout your academic career, all in one page, pretty much. So uh, just work on your active voice and different, you know, uses of English to write more concisely. Thank you so much for the answers. Um, oh, Madeline has a question, actually. Um, yeah, feel free to unmute yourself. Hey, I was wondering what kind of things you were asked during your interview and how should we go about preparing for this? Yeah, so when it comes to like the interview process, I think they ask less about like research, or at least from my experiences, um, less about like research and like things that everybody does. And they ask more based on things that set me apart. Um, so I worked at like a special needs camp for kids, obviously with disabilities and things like that. And I got asked about that every single interview, but I think only one or two out of seven asked me about um, my research. And I was shocked. Like I prepared this big thing about how like we were doing all this with artificial intelligence and things like that. And that didn't matter. But I also found it easier to talk about the camp that I worked at because that was something like I genuinely really enjoyed. Um, so they really want to see who you are as a person, not just, you know, things that everybody has on their application. So if you have things that set you apart, definitely be able to talk about those during your interview. Um, yeah, I totally agree. Um, and I think, you know, like every school will ask different questions um, and every person at every school will ask different questions. I mean, there are a lot of similar questions. Okay. I mean, I, I guarantee you, you're almost always going to get, you know, why did you choose dentistry or, you know, what, what were, what was like the most significant experience you had in college or whatever. Um, but you know, should you should you go and memorize answers to be prepared for questions? You know, I, I don't think it's good to sound like a robot during the interview. I think it's good to, you know, kind of Google, you know, what are some common interview questions and have some sort of answer in mind. But, you know, know that it's okay to think of something spontaneous and answer what is acceptable and what suits the moment, right? And I, I think another thing that I want to highlight is it's okay to not have an answer immediately to the question, okay? I mean, if you think about a conversation and you ask me a question, mm, I have maybe like five, five to 10 seconds of acceptable like silence, right, to answer the interview question before it gets awkward. Um, and, you know, there are times that they'll ask me a question and I'm like, oh, like, that's a really interesting question. And I, I will literally respond with, you know, that's a really interesting question. Um, I don't have a, like, you know, like a, an answer for that right now, but can we come back to it, right? Or some, you know, something along the lines. And I think, I think at one of my interviews, you know, we went through the interview and then at the end, they, for, they like never went back to the question. And I actually, you know, I said like, oh, you know, like the question that you asked me earlier, you know, I have, you know, I have a, you know, I have an answer for you now. And I answered it. And I think they really appreciated the fact that like I took initiative and I remembered the question and I didn't just ignore it, but I, you know, like thought about it and then gave a more um, complete answer. So, you know, I, I think it's totally okay to not know what to answer like in that exact moment, but, you know, like 
say what you want to say and just be mature, I think. Yeah, I would have to agree. Um, I've always been a preparer. So I went through like common dental school interview questions and just like, not like, not like memorize my answers, but just kind of rehearse them. So I would be prepared for questions like that. Um, but then in my interview, I got several off the wall questions that just kind of like threw me for a ringer. Um, so just for example, like if you were a tree, what would you be and why? Um, and just like questions that like you can't possibly prepare for. Um, so my biggest advice is to just be prepared, but be ready for questions like that and take your time to answer. Um, and yeah. So uh, for me, uh, I would highly recommend trying to do all the research you can on the school that you get an interview for before you show up. Uh, because I don't know if you're anything like me, but like I would like to know what I'm walking into, whether it's MMI or opened or closed application. Uh, for example, OSU is a closed application interviewing school. So for example, like uh, I think Colton, you were talking about research and like they never knew that I did research like when I was at my interview. So that never even came up. So if you know it's a closed application, you might have to slide that into the interview somehow, find a way to bring up, oh yeah, by the way, I did research over mouthwashes. Like, uh, you know, something that when it makes sense, you know, of course. Uh, so yeah, knowing if it's, you know, multiple mini interviews, if it's scenarios or um, things like that. And I've, I've heard that there's a schools out there that only do scenarios also. That's something I would say, like, definitely talk to your pre-professional advisors and talk to other dental students again, and really try and practice those. I think those are the only one. And of course, you're not going to know exactly what they're going to ask. But those are the ones that you'll really want to at least have a game plan in your mind, a little bit of how you're going to attack it when the scenario comes up. Uh, also, for me, keeping up with Contour, the ASDA magazine, really helps because when you walk into an interview, you kind of have an idea, okay, this is what's going on in the field of dentistry right now. Like, even if it's little bits and pieces of knowledge that, like, just spews out during the interview, that's still, like, great. Um, and I, I remember yesterday, I was actually talking with another dental student, we were reliving our interview process. And they, we like both had the same interviewer on the same day. And the professor asked us this question and it stuck with us and it's a hard one. So I'll just say it. It's what was the best day of your life? And that was the one we got. And I was like, holy cow, like this is, I had to take some time as like another dental student was saying, and like, just, I could not answer that off the cuff. Uh, but yeah, something to think about. So in order to prepare for the interview, my mom is actually in HR and does interviews for jobs all the time. So she was drilling me with all sorts of questions that she asks. I was actually in pageants in high school. Um, so I had done interviews before. I would say anything that you can do in undergrad or outside extracurriculars that will give you the opportunity to sit in front of people and be interviewed. Um, I was also a tour guide at the University of South Carolina. So I was very comfortable talking with strangers. That is something that just made me walking into a room with somebody that I knew was going to be pretty much interrogating me. Um, I felt a lot more comfortable about that. Um, and then also while I was in college, one of my professors in the business school actually taught us, uh, I think she was a marketing professor, and she was talking about marketing ourselves. Um, she said that you always need to have what she called an elevator speech. And it's pretty, it's a pretty well-known thing that if you were to walk into a building and you walked onto the elevator with, say for our instance, the dean of the dental college that you really want to go to, or the something important like that and they ask you your name and to tell you know you just want to portray yourself in a really good way and you have say a minute or less to do it to get to the floor that they're getting off on um, it's a good idea because the question of tell me about yourself or you know let me know tell me things that about you that i need to know it's a good way to say your name where you're from what you're doing dentistry for, just a really good quick introduction of yourself to portray yourself. Um, that's a really good thing to go ahead and have rehearsed, but not perfected. Um, that way you sound put together. Um, and then also something that I took with me no matter what interview as I was going through my process was I had a few questions of what 
what was important to me about dental schools. Um, and I asked every single interviewer the same questions and then was very careful to write down their answers just so I didn't forget uh, while I was in the interview with them. Um, that way, it's a pretty good way for me to evaluate them. And I think also me having very thoughtful questions about what was important for me, I think portrayed to them that I was prepared for the interview and I had my own set of expectations for dental school for myself um, going into it as well. Yes, uh, so I can add to that. Different, when you go to different schools, they're gonna ask you different questions based on their mission. When I, when I interviewed at Meharry, they're a community service or, you know, organization. So they asked me questions, what have I done for the community? What type of, you know, volunteering experiences did I have? When I interviewed at Roseman in Salt Lake City, you know, they asked me some different questions, uh, research-based questions. Uh, so it, it definitely depends on, you know, where you interview at. But one thing I would say is when you're interviewing, uh, in order to stay concise too and, and get to the point, because when people ask this question, sometimes we tend to blab on and, and go off topic. Uh, there is a template called STAR. It's situate. It's S-T-A-R acronym, but it's situation, task, action, and resolution. So the situation would be just presenting what what happened. The task would be, you know, how you, you know, get to pretty much before the resolution. The action would be what are you actually doing to correct the situation, and then the resolution. What is the result from that? So that is one uh, key piece of advice. And another uh, thing that I encountered when I was on an interview, sometimes they play good cop, good cop, bad cop, no pun intended. Uh, they they wanna make you uncomfortable sometimes to see how you're gonna react. So be prepared for uncomfortable questions and you know just take a moment to, to think, don't answer right away. Uh, it's okay to take five seconds, you know, more than 10 seconds it might be, uh, you know, it might seem a little off, but definitely think about what you want to say and they'll, they'll appreciate that and just make sure your words are very, you know, thoughtful. Thank you for that. Um, based on our, um, I have a question that kind of popped up during our conversations about how to, um, I guess, prepare for interviews and how to seem more interesting in the application process, but something that came into question was, um, you guys all seem pretty open, like open-minded, um, extroverted, but I was wondering if you guys have knowledge on, um, you know, being in the dental field for an introverted person, you know? I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say that you have to have pretty good interpersonal skills, right, to be a dentist, but do you guys know or have friends in dental school that are less, um, extroverted do you have to be you know so talkative um yeah do you guys have any information on that yeah I'd say like personally I'm extroverted I'd say like you said um, most of us probably are but there's definitely people in my class out of the 80 of us that are introverted and um I think they've been making like a big adjustment especially as we get into like more in-person activities and they're you know finally getting out there but your instructors will tell you when you get here 90% of dentistry is like you as a person and how you can handle patients and talk to patients like they don't care about the dental work you're doing. They expect that of you, but they want to see, you know, are you nice to them? Like, can you carry a good conversation with them? Um, and things like referrals, can you refer them to good surgeons and orthodontists, things like that. Um, so as far as like being introverted, I can't speak on that, but I feel like my friends that are more introverted are making the adjustment and they'll, they'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, you know, Personally, I think it's really difficult to draw a, like a hard line between being extroverted and introverted. Um, you know, for me, I'm pretty introverted most of the time. I mean, I don't feel the need to be in big social groups or go out and party. I mean, I like just staying home by myself and, you know, I don't know, watch Netflix. Um, but, you know, I think regardless if you're extroverted or introverted, you need to have good interpersonal skills as a dentist. Um, I think you need to have good interpersonal skills, like period, right? As a person, it's, it's always a good skill to have. Um, and, you know, like Colton said, when you're a dentist, it doesn't matter if the crown prep you did is beautiful or if the, you know, the composite class two filling you did is like perfect, your patient is not gonna know 
and they're probably not gonna care like as long as it looks good to them they're not really gonna know like the technicality wise like how how good or how perfect it is what they're gonna know is how you talk to them as their dentist you know they're gonna remember like your tone of voice they're gonna remember you know if you seem very knowledgeable i mean they're trusting you right with with their with their teeth with their face with their health i mean you know one bad injection or one wrong medication could counter counteract with their medical history i mean Th those are the things that matter, right? And I think when it when it comes down to you know being extroverted or being introverted, you know there are dentists that like to talk all the time. I mean, I, I had one of my dentists. I think it was my my orthodontist, and like literally the whole time during the procedure, he would just talk, 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 and like I can't really respond, right? Because my mouth is open, and I'm just like half the time just like okay, like just stop talking. Um, and some of my dentists or medical professionals. Um, they're a lot more quiet. I mean, they they communicate what they have to, they get their job done and they, and you know, it's like to each their own, right? There's not, it's not like you have to be talkative to be a good dentist, okay? And it's not that you have to, like, it's not that, you know, if you're very talkative, you're a bad dentist, right? I mean, it's not, it's not black or white. It's, it's very gray. So just... Yeah, so just to feed off of all of that, um, we had a base camp where every classmate of mine like did the test to like determine what you were. Um, and I'd say like 50% were introvert. Um, and they also had no problem in their interview and no problems talking to other people or anything like that. So I definitely don't think you have to be extrovert to excel at being a dentist. I think uh, introverts sometimes get a bad rap uh, just because it kind of seems like it comes off that way. But uh, really, I, I'm bleeding and I'm like right in between the two. I took that Myers-Briggs test and I was just one point into the the E, which is the extroverted, uh, which I love. I love those personality tests. Uh, don't get me started on that. But anyways, I think the the introverts, like what you have to understand is that introverts still need to be around people. But the difference is that they're the ones that are more likely to go get a coffee with one other person. And they'll get filled up by that instead of going to a party with tons of people. But that doesn't mean that they they can't do both, right? So I think just knowing uh, yourself and knowing how you interact with people will help with this. But uh, for me personally, I need that perfect mix of let's go grab a coffee and then maybe I'll go out and do something fun. But yeah, hopefully that helps. Kind of piggyback off of that, I'm right there in the middle with you, Joe. And that's something that actually attracted me to dentistry. As I was shadowing, I shadowed in very fast paced offices where I don't think the dentist ever sat down except in the operatory to do fillings. And, uh, and I also shadowed in offices where the dentist has 20 minutes between every single patient just to take a breather. And that's something that really attracted me to the field because even though I'm spending four years to become a general dentist, the outcome of that and the rest of my career can be pretty much up to me. And I really liked that. Yes, yeah, so I feel, you know, I, I see where everybody's coming from, panelists. And for me, uh, as you're, you're, we're not just treating the mouth. Uh, yes, we are dentists, but we're also doctors, doctors of dental medicine, doc doctor of medical dentistry, DMD. As dentists, like I said, we don't just care for the mouth. We are clinicians. So we pretty much take care of the whole body holistically. And in saying that, we're, your interpersonal skills are pretty important. Yes, it's not going to make or break you as a dentist. You could still do a superb job, but you want to, you know, enhance your patient's health outcome and, 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 you know, taking care of their psyche, I think is included in that. And that could be as far as, you know, just speaking to them, uh, asking them how their day is, just having, you know, common bedside manner. So definitely, whether you're introverted or extroverted, build those interpersonal skills uh, because you'll definitely want to use that in order to enhance you know your patient's health outcome and that's what we're in it for we're in it for the patient 
Uh, I'm going to jump in on this one uh, real quick. So just to echo what Shareem just said, um, you know, as a fourth year student and, you know, treating patients over the past two years, two and a half years, I guess, um, interpersonal skills are huge. Extroverted or introverted doesn't really matter. But you have to understand that when you're dealing with patients, a lot of them are coming in nervous. You know, we are students. Um, they understand that our skills are limited. They understand that our experience is limited. So having the interpersonal ability to create a connection with them can really calm down their nerves, you know, can, you know, put you guys on an even playing field. And that's something that you guys should, you know, work on for the future. I've seen, um, you know, my partner, now that we're partnered up for COVID, he's a very introverted person, one of the best clinical students in our class, if not the best. But there are times where he has struggled, um, you know, answering patients' questions or if a patient does get a little bit um, unrestful, um, he kind of looks to me to help him out a little bit. So it's just being able to, you know, maybe lighten the mood when things aren't going so well or being able to explain why procedures are, you know, are needed or why they're being done. So um, I think it's, it's not a make or break by any means. It's something that everybody can work on. Um, but I think it's definitely something to, to think about and to practice as you go. Um, and I just want to throw it back to the um, interview questions from earlier, because I think it's very important for all of our audience members to hear what uh, Axe has to say about it as a, someone who just went through the interview process during COVID, who's had both online interviews and in-person interviews. Um, I'd love to get his take on how the interview process went, because you know, we don't know what the next year is bringing up. Um, so I think you guys should be prepared for both. So uh, Axe, take it away. Yeah, thanks so much. So I guess in my kind of experience, um, you can really only prepare for the interview in two ways. Uh, you could prepare for the beginning and you could prepare for the end of the interview. So for the beginning, there's three big questions that you have to be ready to answer no matter what. Uh, the first one is tell me about yourself. The second one being why dentistry? And then the third one, why not medicine? And so to kind of break those down a little bit further, uh, tell me about yourself. They've read your personal statement. They know what your, your mentors or your professors wrote about you in the letters of recommendation. They know all that stuff. So this is your opportunity to be like, you know, I'm from a family of four. I live on Long Island. I have a pet. And then talk about things you do for fun. You know, what do you do with your friends, for example? That's the stuff that they want to hear. Uh, and you're, you're not just, you know, a compilation of different statistics and DAT score. You know, you're, you're an actual person uh, and, and that sort of thing. The next question, why dentistry? Again, they've read your personal statement. This is your chance to kind of really from the heart, tell, tell it how it is. Um, if you've done something with manual dexterity, they love to hear that. And you could probably go into detail uh, about that and how it relates. Uh, but this should really be no more than two minutes this, this uh, answer to the question. And then finally, the why not medicine question. Uh, the first time I got it, I was really put off guard, but then I prepared for it and I was asked it a couple more times. Uh, you know, you don't wanna give an answer that they don't wanna hear. Uh, so uh, nothing related to, you know, oh, I can make a lot of money in dentistry. And like, that's not something that I, you know, you don't want to talk about that. Um, you want to really give a good reason as to why dentistry. I said something to the effect of, I like working with my hands and I want to be able to kind of be involved in the entire restorative process of, of a patient from start to finish. Um, and I kind of went off of that a little bit more. So those are the, the, the big three. And then for kind of preparing for the end of the interview, uh, this is kind of where, you know, their last impressions of you are going to be made. Uh, so what you want to do here is really research the school and really speak to students that are currently attending the school uh, and, and find questions that you're ready to ask that really pertain to you as an applicant. How can you get involved at the school and kind of tie it to something that you're good at? Um, and so don't ask questions that you could find on the website, for example. But if you're asking really great questions, that's something that will stick with, that will stick with them for sure. Um, so those are things I did in kind of prepping for the beginning and the end of the interview. The middle, you never know what's going to happen, as we kind of have talked about um, before. Another good point I really wanted to bring into account for the personal statement writing. I don't know if anyone said this, but as far as the getting it edited, I think the number one thing when I wrote my personal statement was having it edited by a number of students that were in dental school that have actually tutored and mentored others um, on personal statement writing. Because I'm going to be honest, I wrote three drafts and sent it off and they were like, what is, what is this? What am I looking at here? <laughs> So I had to restart, start from scratch, and basically go back three weeks um, and then send it to them, start it over. I think getting people to edit what you're doing is the most important thing when you're writing your personal statement. Thank you um, for the great insightful questions or answers more so. Um, 
we do have a hand raised, so feel free to unmute yourself and ask your question. Hello, can can you hear me? Great. Um, first of all, I'm so glad to have met you guys. You know, you've been giving such insightful answers and it's been really, really helpful so far. Um, I wanted to ask about something that I've been getting a lot of mixed um, answers about, and that is, you know, how much personal can you get before it gets too personal? I know a lot of people, uh, including myself, who, you know, they're usually very open and vocal about their personal struggles and maybe even traumatic events that happened in their lives. And I was wondering, you know, how open can you be about those things? Because I've been told like from certain people that um, maybe that'll deter you, um, that'll deter them from you uh, in terms of like, oh, you know, we don't really know if that's the right kind of person we wanna keep in our program because they may not handle the stress. But um, at the same time, you know, I do think that this is like a conversation that isn't talked about or had enough. And I was wondering what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, so I think you can get as personal as you want, obviously, like you could keep in all the details that you want, or you could tell them your whole life story from start to finish throughout the interview, somehow like incorporating everything. But I'd say that my main advice with this is if a school isn't going to accept you because of something that happened in your personal life or something just about you in general, then you don't belong at that school, right? There's always going to be a school that will take you for who you are, you know, not what they want you to be. So I'd say like, be as open as you want. I would be 100% transparent with them. So. Yeah, and you know, I think be as open as you feel comfortable with, right? I mean, don't just put don't just write about super, super personal stuff just because you want it to come off personal, right? I mean, so, I, you know, just share as much as you feel comfortable with. And, you know, I, I really think as long as it's not generic and as long as it's not like, you know, like a copy and paste of like so many other people's personal statements, you know, whatever, you don't have to like talk about like, I don't know, like your past medical history or like mental illness struggles or like a family member dying, you know, it doesn't have to be those like emotional kind of uh, personal statements. I mean, mine wasn't um, and a couple of people I, you know, I know that I've read there's, you know, also wasn't there, there's also weren't like that. So, you know, just do what makes you comfortable and do what makes you feel like can get your voice across to yeah I definitely agree with that I think that that's kind of a personal decision so whatever you feel comfortable talking about um but I think the biggest thing is that if you get personal and if you talk about things I think you need to show how you handled it and like how it made you stronger because then they look at that as you're not asking for a sob story or you're not asking to get into dental school because they feel bad for you, but you're showing how you handled something and how you became better from it. Yeah, so I think that's really good advice that they've been saying so far. Uh, also, just keep in mind if, if there's ever a time that, um, say, you might have an illness, whether or whatever it is, you know, or a learning disability, there are plenty of people currently in dental school that have those situations going on uh, and they accommodate for those situations if it's if it's an issue. So the whole mentality that was brought up that, you know, if the school's not willing to take you like you are for some reason, you know, then you're, you know, you're gonna make it better somewhere else. Uh, like, because they, there's so many uh, people, we're all so different, you know, everyone is very different that when you go to these schools and you're you're even in the thick of things, they do make accommodations for everyone, uh, just like you know you would imagine in undergrad or whatever. Things things happen and, and whatnot, but yeah. Um, so kind of, I agree with everything that everyone has said. I also just want to really reiterate the fact that if you put it in your application anywhere, they can talk to you about it and ask you about it. So if it is something that is easier to put on a piece of paper and send in your application, but while you're in an interview, it might be difficult to talk about, or it's maybe like you don't feel comfortable talking about it with somebody that you just met. 
uh, maybe think about that in the way that you're writing it. Uh, but if it is important enough to you to put in your personal statement, um, I think it also would be very telling whether you are you know, comfortable talking to that person. Um, I know at MUSC, our interviewers are professors that we work very closely with within our first couple of years. And so it's very, uh, it is very telling of how comfortable you would be at that school. Um, so that's just another way that you can evaluate the school as well. Yeah, I was going to say for my personal statement, I did list, uh, you know, traumatic experience to help explain certain things, my academic performance. But uh, the, the main thing I was told as a tip was to not dwell on it, number one. It can't be the body of your, your discussion, your personal statement. And then also, you got to keep it short, a brief, and make sure that you end it positively. Uh, and uh, when I was at Pittsburgh, that happened. And uh, I had to put that in there to explain why my grades were dropping at that moment. And, you know, there's other places on your application you could put that information in. Like they have a, a disadvantaged section if you're a disadvantaged student. They also have a section that lists if you had any type of gaps caused by some type of traumatic experience in school, that should be on the IDEA ADSAS application. So you could also list that there. What you don't want to do is make it the bulk of your personal statement. It's, you know, it should be brief. They need to know that you're over the situation, how you overcame it, and what, how it made you a better person, uh, like the other panelists just mentioned. Okay, awesome. Thank you, guys. Um, I guess just one last question to finish wrapping it out. I guess I was just wondering, what was one thing that you guys had on your application date that you think made you guys stand out from everyone else, whether it be research shadowing, and how can we um, try to get that? On our, on our applications as well. But I see Sarah also has a question. So if Sarah wants to unmute herself, she can definitely do that too. And then we can- Well, let's, let's answer your Sarah questions first, then we'll get to Sarah Kay's question after. We'll have time for you, Sarah, don't worry. You guys wanna go in reverse order, like have Shereem start that way, like we don't steal their kind of ideas and then, yeah, let's do that. Definitely. Okay, I guess I'll go. All right. So as far as you were asking you know, achieving different research experiences, correct? Um, so my advice was, you, you have to be hungry. Uh, you should be contacting all, you know, all these PIs, these principal investigators on campus. When I was at Pitt, you know, that's what I was doing. I was contacting, I was talking with my professors, looking up their publications, making sure I knew it in and out, go to them after class during office hours, try to discuss it, say that I'm interested in working in your, you know, your lab, and they may have some room, they may not, they may refer me to one of their colleagues. And uh, yeah, I would say just network and talk to people. That's the best way to, uh, that's one tip that I have to give. Uh, for me, I found something in college that I was passionate about that would fit into dentistry that would set me apart and that was business. So I minored in business. I did a lot of events with our business school at the University of South Carolina, and I just built upon my professionalism. Um, that's something that regardless whether I ended up going to dental school or not, I knew that it was going to help me, um, but also it set me apart and I could talk about that as well. So I was just, I felt like I was just very busy in undergrad. So I was, uh, I don't know if anything necessarily specific set me apart, but I had really good reference letters from just being an RA, being in the pre-dental uh, ASDA society and stuff. And it just, in general, uh, I was able to get some really good reference letters. I think for me, um, being a hygienist definitely made my application stand out, but um, I also volunteered for several, probably hundreds of hours in dentistry alone, but also just in my community. So I volunteered at the local animal shelter and just a lot of volunteer experience, which I think that they really like to see. Um, I think for me, I went to a very research heavy undergrad. Um, so I started doing research since um, like, basically the first semester of my freshman year. 
and I stayed with the same PI in lab um, throughout undergrad. So I think, and I was, um, I had a couple of publications in undergrad as well. So I think research probably was my biggest, the, probably the biggest thing that made me stand out a little bit. I'm not sure. Um, I think, I, I think my application in general was pretty well-rounded. Like I didn't really have a certain um, area that I felt like I really lacked and I had to make up for with um, with other areas. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't think I was like particular fantastic in any one certain area. I just think I was, I like, I try to like cover my bases, you know, make sure I had like a good GPA, a good DAT score and, you know, shadowing hours, volunteer research, you know, letters of recommendations. I kind of just try to like hit the threshold, I think for like everything, but not, I don't, I don't think, I don't think like, I don't think I like had something that really, really made me stand out. I'm gonna kind of go along with what Joe said. So when it comes to letters of rec, obviously you should have one from a dentist or someone in the dental field and then some instructors, but um, definitely really get to know one of those letters of rec, like as far as whether it's a dentist or instructor. Personally, um, I shattered a dentist over two summers for probably five weeks total, I'd say. And it's hard when you go to a big school to get instructors to know you really well. So I would say rather than having three letters from instructors that maybe talk to you two or three times, definitely get to know one of them severely more so than the others. Because I got asked almost at every interview about the letter that the dentist that I shattered wrote me. And apparently he wrote that like, if he could right now, he would take me into his office. So they want to see stuff like that. Um, and obviously he has no idea what kind of clinic skills I have, but like we were talking about earlier, just because of the person I was and how I presented myself while patients were around in the office, you know, they loved it. So definitely get to know at least one of those interviewers very well and spend a lot of time with them because they can really speak on who you are as a person. Eric, hey, if you want to ask your question, you can go ahead. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I had a question for Shereem and anybody else that was considering the HPSP scholarship. So, I mean, dental school is very, very expensive and the money is very enticing, um, but I feel like there are some downsides that they're not very maybe forthcoming about. So like if you guys were skeptical about it or Shereem, what are some maybe pros and cons that you've experienced that could maybe provide some insight on? Yes, I was very skeptical of the uh, HPSP because you know you're you're allotting you have to pay back these years to the government and so of course they pretty much own you once you sign your name on the dotted line per se uh, what I would say I feel like the benefits outweigh the cons and I say this because number one 100 percent of your tuition is paid for they pay for your equipment while you're in dental school they give you a $2,500 a month stipend you get a if you get the four-year scholarship, you, they give you a $20,000 sign-on bonus as soon as you pretty much start school. Uh, so you can take care of all the other expenses. Uh, also, in addition to that, you only have, you're only obligated to two trainings the entire four years you're at school. So I attend DCC, Direct Commission course in Fort Hill, Oklahoma this summer. Next summer, I'll do basic officer leadership course. Granted, I have the time because I'll begin the clinic by uh, D2, D3 year. And also one thing to note is that, especially in the military, specifically the army, but the military in general have higher uh, acceptance rate for specialty programs. So for instance, oral surgery is like, might be like 2% acceptance rate. Whereas in the military, it's around 40, 50% each year. They may get 30 applicants and they accept around 15. So it's pretty consistent every year. Not to say that I'm, you know, I'm not smart, but when you get to dental school, everybody's smart. You're competing with, you know, some of the brightest people in the country. You got oral surgery. They want you to be top 10, 15, 20%. Uh, so I use that as an avenue to increase my chances, enhance my chances. In addition to that, once you graduate, you pay back one year for every year of scholarship that they gave you. I have the four-year scholarship, so I devote four years of service after I graduate. Uh, as soon as I graduate, I'll be a captain, and you know, I, I give those four years, and pretty much I'm done. If I don't, if I didn't like the military, I leave. Uh, in addition to that, uh, you will be stationed somewhere in the United States as a commissioned officer is way different than enlisted. 
enlisted. It's kind of like the grunt work. They like, you know, I hate to say it. It's kind of like a lot of times they're almost like the, the pawns. They, they are very, you know, useful and, you know, we need them. They're very, uh, like they're very important, just as important as a commissioned officer. They try to pretty much uh, cater to you just because there's a high turnover rate for military dentists in general, because you can make more money in the civilian world. So they want to keep you. So they give you a top three choice of where you want to go station wise. You can, you know, try to get stationed in Hawaii, you know, California, anywhere. Uh, there is a chance, though, that you will be deployed at some point during your service obligation. Uh, a lot of times you'll get sent to somewhere like Japan or Germany. There is a chance you could get sent somewhere like Iraq, but just note that you won't be on the front lines. You'll be at a, a very safe medical facility where of course there's some limited risk involved, but they invested this money and time in you and they don't want to put you in too much of harm's way. Um, I'm not sure if that answers your question, but please feel free to interject. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, so overall, you don't have any regrets or fears or? No, uh, my biggest regret would be taking on four or $500,000 in student loan debt with, you know, eight to 10% sub, uh, you know, these unsubsidized student loans have interest that accumulate while you're in school. So you may come out with even more than that. Uh, so uh, me, I'm a non-traditional student and I feel like I do have to make up time for some of these years. Uh, I'm 34 years old, and this is my way to kind of get back some of those years. Um, I did two master's degrees and a bachelor's degree before I got to dental school, and I'm already in a good amount of debt. I feel like for most people, for anybody, the pros outweigh the cons. The one thing I do would say the con would be if you are, say, married, you have a significant other, or you're planning on having children, then uh, deployments and stuff like that get a little bit tricky you'll have to have somebody to watch the kids. You might spend time away from your significant other. And uh, yeah, that's something that I'm willing to take on for just four years. If I decide I don't want to continue, I can, you know, get back in the civilian sector as a, you know, or maybe in private practice. Thank you. On, if that's okay, um, just to say really quickly, I was very interested in one of these positions and unfortunately just didn't hop on the train fast enough. Um, I kind of had the mentality of, okay, well, I'll just figure that out after I get accepted and figure out where I'm going. But you really do need to be looking at it early and figuring out which branch of the military you like their programs in because they're very different depending on the branch and all of that. But also keep in mind that you can apply once you are in dental school as well. I do have some friends doing that. Does anyone have any more questions before we wrap it up? No. Okay, well, thank you once again, everyone, for coming. And a huge thank you to the dental students who took time out of their busy day to help us out. Um, Pittsburgh will stick around for a little bit if anyone has any questions or just wants to say hi. I hope to see you guys again at our future weekly events. Thank you, everyone.